Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Well, Kingsgate, as we bring this fantastic series around the table into land, it's my privilege to sort of serve the coffee and chocolates, the final instalment of our series to wrap up this meal that we've been enjoying together. I hope you've really made some great memories, uh, had some great meals and uh, really had some moments around the table that it's inspired you to do that and not just to enjoy the food, but to enjoy the people, to share the good news of Jesus, to enjoy the presence of Jesus. Just in case I didn't win the competition for this series with my Ben Nevis photo, I'm going to take a second run up at it um, and uh, share with you a photo. Here you can see a pizza oven that my brother-in-law made out of an incinerator, a garden incinerator. Isn't that an impressive design? There you can see the pizza cooking uh, inside this ex-garden incinerator and um, on this particular occasion we made 30 of these delicious pizzas with family and friends. We enjoyed them, shared some with our neighbours, uh, spread the good news of pizza and gorged on the good things of life. So that's my second entry. Um, for those of you judging the competition, I, I do also use bribes and various other forms of coercion so I hope I win the prize. But anyway, uh, the prize has really been this series in Luke's Gospel really helping us to think through how food is not just nutrients, it's a gift from God. And around the table, we share more than just a meal. We share fellowship. It's something sacred goes on as we meet around the table. Now, in Luke's Gospel, we come right to the end. The passage we've just had read is Jesus now, having died on the cross around 30 AD, he is now risen from the dead. And guess what the resurrected Jesus is still doing? <laughs> He's enjoying a meal around the table with friends. Nothing's really changed. I mean, everything's changed, but nothing's different. In fact, that's part of the surprise of this passage in Luke chapter 24, is how unsurprising the ways are that Jesus meets with these disciples. Did you see that? It's so unsurprising 
that they don't even realize it's him. His appearance seems so ordinary. They're traveling home on the road to Emmaus, maybe walking about seven miles out of Jerusalem. This seemingly ordinary stranger comes alongside them, begins to engage them in conversation, and they start talking to the stranger about Jesus, <laughs> not realizing it is Jesus. The surprise is how unsurprising his appearance is. You might have thought the resurrection would then lead to fireworks and you know, some kind of big fanfare, and it's so ordinary. You know, he meets them walking and talking and eating. <laughs> and it's as if, I love the passage for that reason. It's one of my favorite passages because it's as if Jesus is saying, instead of doing something exceptional, I'm gonna do something that is so ordinary, it's gonna not just show how I met those two disciples in a one-off, Luke 24, but how I can meet people like you and me today. You see, the very fact that it was through such ordinary means that we have available to us today shows that Jesus can meet us in the same kind of way. And so in this passage, this strange sort of almost comedy passage where these disciples unwittingly talk to Jesus about Jesus and then he reveals himself, then their eyes were opened. Three scenes show us how our eyes can be opened to encounter Jesus around the table. Firstly, they opened their hearts, and we need to. Secondly, they opened their Bibles, and we need to. And thirdly, they opened their homes, and we need to as well. So the headline of the message with those three scenes and three points is simply this, as they opened their heart, their Bible, their home, their eyes were opened to Jesus, and the world was never the same again. And my prayer is that you will open your heart, open your Bible, open your home to Jesus and find how completely transforming that is, just like they did. Firstly, open your heart. Jesus meets us in life's challenges. Why were these two men or two disciples, it may have been a male and a female, we don't really know who they were, they're fairly anonymous, but why were they going home? Well, they were commuting out of Jerusalem to where they lived, Emmaus, that's what we can suppose. But this wasn't just any journey. They were suffering from what modern day psychologists may well refer to as post-traumatic stress disorder. They were totally disturbed by what they had experienced. They had just seen two days earlier, their Lord, their master, the one they pinned their hopes on, brutally crucified. Now, We've lost how horrible crucifixion was. It's the sort of experience that if you literally just witnessed it, you would wake up with nightmares and horrors and flashbacks. And not only had they witnessed it from their friend being brutalized, but they'd vested all their hopes on this friend. All their hopes were crucified with him. They're going home disturbed, confused, utterly depressed. And Jesus meets them in that kind of life experience. Verse 21, we had hoped. Their hopes had been dashed. Verse 17, they stood still looking sad. Life had brought them to a standstill. They didn't really know which way to turn. Maybe you're facing some circumstances like that. You feel, trying to put on a brave face, but you feel like, you wish, you almost imagine moments in your life that were previously the case, and you think, I you, you almost think, I wish I could just go back to when life made sense. That's where these people were at. And that's precisely the moment when Jesus met them. How do you recover 
from a moment where you're so disturbed, you, you don't even recognize someone that you knew very well, in their case, Jesus Christ. How do you avoid, you see, sometimes when we get into negative cycles, we get ourselves stuck and we can't free ourselves. We spiral into ourselves, into patterns of fear, of mistrust, of panic, of confusion, of suspicion, and you, you can't pull yourself out of it. It's like one of those aeroplanes where you're nose diving and you can't pull up. How do you get out of those moments? The answer is, well, one of the answers in this passage at least is this, they opened their hearts to Jesus. You see, think about it. They didn't know it was him, remember? <laughs> That's our little let-in in the story. They just think it's a stranger. But when the stranger asks them what they're talking about, they don't just say, oh, um, nothing, just you know the weather and just pretend life's okay. They don't fake it. They're, they're surprisingly vulnerable with a stranger. In fact, it says they just stood still looking sad. You know, they they wore their hearts on their sleeves. And what Jesus wants from us is that we are wearing our hearts on our sleeves before him, not faking it, not suppressing the real emotions we're feeling and putting on a brave face. Don't you think the risen Jesus is bored, tired of people faking it in church and people faking it in religion and people putting on a brave face and not really being honest about how they feel. They looked sad because they were sad. They were transparent. And when we open our hearts to Jesus, when we really let him in, that's where he can meet with us. That's where we can change. Too often it's fear that locks us up and we think we need to put on a brave face and show strength because that's how we're going to impress others and not give away how we're really doing. You know, we can be almost like a child. Some of our children, when they hurt themselves, they'll then hold on to the very area that's hurt. You know, they've cut their knee, they put their hand on their knee so you can't get into it and help them. And we as adults can be like that with our hearts. We cover over the real hurts, the real things going on. You know, sometimes Jesus comes alongside us looking very ordinary. Maybe he's as ordinary as the person that's brought you to church or the person who is God's brought into your workplace or into your family or into your small group that you're part of. Sometimes the seeming ordinary stranger is God's gift that he's brought alongside us. And if we would just open our hearts, Jesus can meet us through the stranger, through the ordinary, through the person that we need to be transparent with. So let's lift our hands off our hurts and let Jesus in. Maybe there's a way in which you just need to be open, vulnerable with someone in your life group or with someone who's a Christian friend and just be more honest about how you're really doing. Because if you want to meet Jesus, one of the ordinary ways he meets us is simply by us opening our hearts to him. Open your hearts, but secondly, open your Bible Jesus meets us in the scriptures. Having drawn alongside these two confused disciples, Jesus then conducts something of a Bible study with them on the road to Emmaus. As they're heading home, he opens the scriptures to them in quite an extraordinary way. Jesus believed that the Bible has what we need to bring hope to those who are hopeless, to bring truth to those who are lost, to bring meaning to the confused. I wonder if we believe this. Well, if we do, let's open our Bibles. Jesus did. Even the risen Jesus didn't put on a firework display. He put on a Bible study because he's wanting to say to us, just as I met them, 
So it's all available to you. In fact, we have the Bible in a fuller version, in a fuller expression than they ever had. So let's open our Bibles. Jesus meets us in the scriptures. Now, this can be true just through a verse. Sometimes, I mean, someone shared a verse with me the other, a couple of months back. I was really low and just feeling really exhausted. And someone shared Romans 15, 4. I won't bore you with the detail, but yeah, just, it put so much in, it was the lifeline I needed, just a verse. Sometimes it's a psalm or a story. I shared a psalm recently with a friend who was going through a terrible time, not a Christian. He read the psalm and then, well, he even just swore with the expression of surprise at how much that psalm impacted him when he read it. Sometimes it's just a verse, sometimes it's a psalm. In their case, Jesus actually revealed to them not just a verse or a psalm or a section he revealed he opened up the whole story of the old testament what do we read in verse 27 beginning with moses and all the prophets he explained in the scriptures the things concerning himself he went through he gave the original bible course (laughs) the original bible overview was done by the risen jesus on the road to Emmaus, as if to say i'm going to not just do some exceptional firework display. I'm going to show ordinary Christians in the United Kingdom in the 21st century, just as much as these two, how and where I will meet with them. I will meet with you when you open your Bibles. I'll reveal myself in the scriptures. Well, verse 32 says, listen to the impact. The word Emmaus, which is the town they were heading to, means warm or hot springs. And it's meaningful because verse 32, they they reflect on the experience of this Bible study. They say, were not our hearts burning within us while he opened the scriptures to us? There's a way of opening the scriptures that sets your heart on fire. Jesus did it and he invites us to be part of it too. I remember about 12 years ago, this very passage inspired me with some people that we were baptizing who are new Christians to do a big Bible overview with them. One thing led to another and it became known as the Bible course. It's now been translated into Mandarin and Portuguese and French and Spanish. It's amazing to see what God's done with it. But I I think it's because God loves it when we understand the whole Bible pointing to Jesus Christ. When you open the Bible, especially the Old Testament, How can we have hearts burning within us, not just bored, but burning by the Bible? Well, a couple of tips from what Jesus did with them. Firstly, what I call the Roman road principle. (laughs) You know, the Roman Empire had about 19 major roads that dissected Europe and linked up its many provinces. So wherever you were in the empire, the road that you lived on, The Roman road was like arteries and veins. It all finally connected back to Rome. All roads lead to Rome. Have you heard that saying? That's where it comes from. Here you can see in this visual, Europe looked like a big heart. Rome is the center and all these veins and arteries leading into it. Well, Jesus taught the Bible like Roman roads. On the road to Emmaus, he was effectively saying, all roads lead to Jesus. Whichever passage you're in, in the Old Testament, it connects forwards ultimately to the heart of the story, Jesus Christ. He interpreted Moses going right back, tradition has it to him writing, uh, being the primary author of Genesis. So right back to the beginning, all the way through the prophets to Malachi, effectively the the Old Testament. He showed them in all the scriptures that the whole thing pointed forward to him. 
So when we read the Bible, when you, even when you read a story about someone else, David and Goliath, for example, David takes down Goliath. That's not just about you. In fact, it's not primarily about you and me taking down our giants. It's about Jesus. Roman road principle. All the roads lead to Jesus. He's David's descendant. He's the real Messiah who will take down our Goliaths and give us victory. Read the Bible. If you want your heart burning, read the Bible to turn you to Jesus. Every passage is a road that leads to him. Roman road principle, and then more specifically, the murder mystery principle. Here's two principles for opening the scriptures like Jesus did so our hearts burn. The Roman road principle, it all leads to Jesus. The murder mystery principle is what happens then. Jesus specifically teaches, verse 26, we read, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter his glory? What's he doing? He's saying, when you look back through the Old Testament, it's like, imagine it like a murder mystery novel. Have you ever read one of those or watched a murder mystery where it's only when you get the big reveal at the end that you realize all the clues were there in the story. But until you know who done it, you couldn't see it. And Jesus is saying it's the same with the Bible. Now you know who done it. The Messiah, through his death and resurrection, he, through his suffering, not through his military power, but through making himself nothing. That's how evil will be conquered. Now, when you see that big reveal, you see that the clues were all through the Bible. The whole Bible was building up to this moment when the Messiah would die on a cross. It wasn't some big tragedy. It was God's great purpose. He makes the whole Bible like a murder mystery. Once you've understood what God has done through Jesus, we almost start with the big reveal at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And when you read that back through the Old Testament, all the clues were there. I, I was just reading Psalm 16 with our children the other morning. You know, open your Bible with your families. Open your Bible on your own. Open your Bible with friends and strangers. We were reading Psalm 16 in which the psalmist, hundreds of years before Jesus, promises that the Holy One, God's Holy One, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Even that, I bet that was one of the verses that Jesus took these disciples back to and said, look, here was another clue. The Holy One would suffer, but he would not rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from death. It was written into the story from the beginning. Open your hearts. Jesus meets us in life's challenges. I urge you, open your Bibles. If you want to meet Jesus, he reveals himself through the Holy Scriptures. Their hearts were burning within them. And I have found time and again, so much feedback has come through that when people have confidence to engage with the Bible, it's a game changer for their experience of Jesus. As Martin Luther, the great reformer put it, as one approaches the cradle to find the baby, so read the Bible to find Jesus. But finally, and most importantly for this series, open your home. Open your heart, open your Bible, open your home. The story comes to its climax, not actually in the Bible study. That really is preparing the ground for the, the moment that will be a total transforming moment for these two disciples. And it nearly didn't happen. I mean, genuinely, I think they could have missed this moment. And here's the key. Jesus, as they've been through the Bible study, they reach Emmaus, where the disciples live. And Jesus makes as if he's going to continue down the road. And we read in verse 28, but they urged him strongly to stay. 
That word stay means to dwell, to remain. In other words, to live in their home and share their meal. In other words, to come around the table with them. They urged him not to go on without spending a meal with them. And it was when he came in around the table that they finally had their eyes opened and they realized, not just in theory, in the Bible, the Messiah should rise again, but here he is. <laughs> He's around the table. In other words, the big revelation was not just that Jesus is, as a fact, alive. It's as a reality. He li He's living. He's present with us. That's what God wants for each of us is not just to know some facts from the Bible, but to experience through the Bible to come into the, an encounter with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord in our homes, around our table, feeling his presence. And here's the point. Hospitality was the key moment to revelation. When we choose to make time around the table, God loves it. He makes it into a sacred place. When we invite Jesus into our homes, into our mealtimes, he loves to meet us there. In fact, in verse 35, when they reflect with the other disciples on what happened, this is what stuck in their minds. They remembered how Jesus was, was recognized by them when he broke bread. I cooked this one in that incinerator pizza oven by the way and I wanted to use this as we wrap up this series as a symbol of the meal around the table Jesus took the bread and he broke it now in that ancient custom uh, context it was a custom a general custom for meal times in the Jewish tradition they would have taken a bread symbolizing the provision of God through harvest and they would have broken it the host would have broken the bread into as many pieces as there were guests and lifted it up before the Lord in prayer and thanking the Lord for his blessings. I want to encourage us. That was the Jewish custom because bread was the key symbol at the table. And it was the Jewish custom as a way of saying, we're not just going to have a meal. We're going to welcome the presence of God around the table. I wonder what that means for you. It might be as simple as saying grace or praying before food. Or sometimes I actually like to pray after the meal because then you feel like you've tasted the good things of life. And with friends, that can be a relaxed time just to give thanks to the Lord and raise any concerns to him. But I want to encourage us. This whole series has been about inviting friends around the table, having food and fun around the table. But most importantly, it's about meeting Jesus Christ around the table. So the general custom of breaking bread was to welcome God's presence and give thanks. But Jesus, of course, turned this into a specific Christian custom. The breaking of bread has now become a symbol of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because on the cross, his body was brutally broken for us so that we might be put back together and healed. And he took the bread of the Passover meal and said, when you break bread, remember me. Now, during lockdown, it's been often the case we haven't been able to do this even gathered as a large church. And when we do meet as a large church, invariably, it's not a full meal that we enjoy. So I want to encourage us in our homes, around the table, with our children, with our friends, with other Christians. Why not get into the pattern of breaking bread? We, we've been doing this as a family in lockdown, and I've often found it's one of the places where our children grow, where I grow, where we all grow in an awareness that we're not just having a meal, Jesus is with us. We can bring spiritual truth into the ordinary place and experience the joy of forgiveness and of new life. 
You know, on the cross, Jesus Christ was brutally broken for us. And he did it because he loves us. He loves us with a love that will bleed and die, with a love that will rise again to defeat evil, with a love that cannot be defeated. We receive this love when we break bread. As the, as the, the Anglican liturgy puts it, let us feed on Christ in our hearts through faith. I love that line. Let us feed on Christ in our hearts through faith. As we eat the bread in faith, as we drink the cup in faith, as we gather around the table in faith, we are feeding in our hearts on Christ through faith. This series then we bring into land with a reminder of the power of meals. They are transformative when we eat in the presence of the Lord. What's the final little phrase in this passage? It says, then, around the table, after the Bible study, when they'd opened their hearts, then their eyes were opened. As they broke bread, it was then that they saw it was Jesus. You know, that phrase, opened, their eyes were opened. It actually echoes right back to Genesis, where this world went wrong. And we read of Adam and Eve that their eyes were opened. But there, in their case, to see shame and guilt and to feel defiled. But Jesus, the risen Jesus, is like a new creation for this world. If you feel shame, if you feel naked, if you feel exposed, if you feel defiled, if you feel afraid, he's the one who can open our eyes in a new way to find in Jesus Christ, the one who brings us new life. So I urge you today, wherever you're watching this, open your heart. Jesus meets us in life's challenges. Open the Bible. Jesus meets us in the scriptures and open your home. Jesus meets us around the table. Right now, I'd like to pray for those of us who want to open our hearts to Jesus, open our Bibles, open our homes. I want to just invite you, wherever you're watching, just lift up your hands as a sign of that openness and I'd like to pray as we finish. Lord, I open my heart to you. Please come into my doubt my pain, my questions and my fears. Lord, I open my Bible before you. Please show me how every passage points to you. May my cold heart be set on fire with a new passion for your word. And Lord, I open my home to you. Please come in around the table as friends and family gather Would you open our eyes to see how glorious you are? May our mealtimes be a sacred place of encounter with Jesus. In your name we pray it. Amen.